Was Jesus God or was he a man walking on this earth? Seems to be an awful lot of debate about this question. I personally think that it's about semantics really. And I th also think that the answer to this question can really change our Christian lives, our aspects about who we are and who we are in Christ. I'm Robert Winfield and this is Chapter House. If Jesus was a man anointed by God on earth, then we would look at our own walk much differently than if we believed he was God on earth. The answer to this question could put our idea of God's expectations of us in a completely different light. Man-God or God-Man, traditionally, as Christians, we've been able to defer almost all of what Jesus instructed us to do in order to spread the gospel under the guise that Jesus was God and we can't do what God does. But this is a straw man, since Jesus himself said he couldn't do anything. So we'll attempt to illustrate our path of reason here. But first, we need to put away our bias and look at what's right in front of our own nose. It would be unfair to just expound and tell you the answer to this question and it wouldn't be profitable to just give you my opinion based on what I feel are valid suppositions. The best way to illustrate this issue is through originalism and line up all the telltale signs for you to see for yourself. I want to give you the wherewithal to construct your own valid non-traditional conclusions. You can't hang on to something you don't grasp. The other thing is to pay attention to how the scriptures break this down and lay out the obvious path for you to consider. There's a myriad of scriptures here to process. Also, we'll also have pop-up addresses to the left, as always, as I'm delineating. To begin, let's look at two scriptures that are shaking hands. Acts 2, 2, 2. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by or through him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. John 8, 40. This is in red. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard from God. Jesus is saying this about himself, that he is a man who has told you the truth that he heard from God. Now the most interesting issue on this subject is that it's become an either-or situation. In other words, it seems the only choices we have is Jesus was a man or he was a God on his earthly ministry. I think this shows little or no awareness of the function of the Holy Spirit in our teachings or sermons, especially when it comes to Acts and the new church. In some cases, the whole topic of the Holy Spirit working in and through us sparks fear in some denominations. We forget when it comes to the debate of Christ being man or God 
that we have a third option for the character of Jesus Christ in his ministry on earth. He was neither a mere man or God. He was a man anointed by God with a full measure of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to be baptized and he had to be anointed with the spirit of power by the Holy Spirit before he did anything ministry-wise. Two things God would not have to do. Now the silly aspect we hear so much is that he was 100% man and 100% God. Well, you can't be 100% of two things. You could say he was 100% man in body, and you could say he was 100% God in his spirit. That's fine. But what was his soul 100% of, since we're triune beings, spirit, soul, and body? The point here is to illustrate how overcomplex the road becomes with this tradition. But John gives us a treasure trove of information on Jesus. In John 3:34, because he only spoke the words of God, he was given the Holy Spirit without limit. In John 12:49, he states, I have never spoken on my own authority or of my own accord. The Father tells me what to say and what to speak. In John 14:10, Jesus says, It is the Father living in me who is doing the work. And John 14, 12, Verily I say unto you, whoever believes in me and will do the works of I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these. How can we do greater? We're not God. Now there's more scripture I could go through, but let's focus on these to start. First, we notice that there's a separation between Jesus and God. While they are one, they are distinctively separate. We don't see Jesus posturing himself as God. We see God as someone he is communicating with from a human point of view. In John 5.19, Jesus said, I can't do anything. John 5.30, I can't do anything of myself. John 8.28, I do nothing of myself. John 12.49, I don't speak on my own. Hebrews 4.15 says Jesus was tempted. Luke 22.42, Jesus had his own will. Luke 2.52, Jesus had to grow spiritually. Hebrews 5.7-9, Jesus had to learn obedience. Luke 18.19, why call me good, Jesus said. And John 5.21, my father raises the dead. None of these aspects are those of a God but they are aspects of a human being. Remember, Jesus was called the Son of Man. To all this we can add Numbers and Hosea. Numbers 23:19, God is not a man or a son of man. Hosea 11:9, for I am God and not a man. So Jesus can't be 100% man and 100% God. If Jesus was God, he didn't do anything on his own. He doesn't speak anything on his own. He doesn't do the work of miracles, healings, and raising the dead on his own. He wouldn't have to grow spiritually, and he wouldn't have, have to have been able to be tempted. He always referred to God in the third person. In Luke 18:19, he says, Why call me good? 
No one is good except God. I can hear the disciples now. No one is good but God. But aren't you God? These are some of the hurdles that have to be managed to think Jesus was 100% God. So let's get to the crux of the term, Jesus was divine and God while on earth with a commentary I found. I'll just repeat the commentary. Jesus emptied himself only of certain aspects of his prerogatives of deity, not of his deity itself. He was never anything and never will be anything but fully and eternally God, as Paul states in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. So first, this is what Chapter House tries to avoid. The statement, Jesus emptied himself only of certain aspects of his prerogatives of deity, not his deity itself, has no scriptural reference. It is, in a word, conjecture. It's an opinion or conclusion formed on the basis of incomplete information. There's no scripture that's delineating what prerogatives of deity Jesus had, let alone what he decided to give up or keep, or that he opted out of those prerogatives sans his deity. To say he was never anything but fully and eternally God is to be contrary to John 8.40 and Hosea 11.19. Let's just recap that. John 8.40, but now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth. And Hosea 11.9, for I am God and not a man. Second, referring to Paul's letter to Philippi, who being in the form of God, let's look at Thayer's Greek lexicon. Thayer's Greek lexicon, formerly he bore the form, Greek word 3444, meaning external appearance of God, but did not think that this equality with God was to be eagerly clung to or retained but emptied himself of it so as to assume the form of a servant, in that he became like a man. Being in the external appearance of God does not mean you're God. Since Adam himself was made in the appearance of God, but he was obviously not God. He was at best a small g God. This is a small rabbit trail, but I have a supposition as to how the devil got the title God of this world. I believe that Adam's title was the God of this world and the devil got it from Adam when he fell. I can't prove it, but I think it. So let's look at Genesis. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Let us make man in our image, a representative figure like a shadow and after our own likeness, um, a resemblance or manner. A representative is typical of a class, group, or body, and a manner is a person's way of behaving. So the bottom line concerning the deity of Jesus Christ is while he had the external appearance of God, he emptied himself from his deity, finding the deity of God was something he didn't want or need to retain. So that's the end of it. Whatever we think he had, he no longer had it on earth. He gave it up. 
he did not have that position. If he ever had a deity, and he does, and he did, it didn't exist on earth in his form of Jesus. He emptied himself of his deity. You can't be 100% of something that Jesus didn't possess. You can't say he gave up some prerogatives, but did not give up his deity. The scripture only deals with the prerogative of a deity state in the King James Version of no reputation. The term no reputation when speaking of Jesus in this aspect per the Strong's Greek Concordance is he laid aside equality with the form of God to make it void, deprived of force, rendered it vain, and useless of no effect. Was Jesus a good person? Did he raise the dead? Did he speak wonderful words? Did he perform signs, wonders, and miracles? Did he do them as God? Not according to Jesus, but with the anointing or Christ upon him, he could. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not diminishing the work of Jesus or the cross, but merely defining his own words and putting them in his context. Clearly, when Jesus walked the earth as the Son of Man, he wasn't trying to prove that he was God. God wouldn't have had to be anointed. In all things, he had to be made like his brethren in order to make propitiation for their sins. He had to suffer being tempted to aid those who are being tempted. He was in the form, likeness, and appearance of a man. Let's also not forget that we're made in the image of God, as in Genesis 1.27. Let us make Adam, or man, in our image, or representative, and after our likeness, or manner. And Jesus is the second Adam. So, even if we believe that Jesus was God on earth, it's a moot point. In his own words, he didn't use, rely, depend, exert, or proclaim any power of God. Everything he did, he did as a human being filled with the Holy Spirit. He expected his disciples to act as humans filled with the Holy Spirit. He expected the church in Acts to act like humans filled with the Holy Spirit. He expects us to act as humans filled with the Holy Spirit as well. The greater implication here is as long as we can postpone our calling by saying, well, Jesus could do all that because he was God, then we think that we let ourselves off the hook. We can just go ye into the world and preach a gospel without demonstration and defer the casting out of devils, speaking in new tongues and laying hands on the sick till they recover, as in Mark 16 as well. But isn't the scripture we're ignoring, deferring our calling? What's this really all about? I think what we're dealing with here is a fear factor. There's no reason to disregard what's right in front of our own nose by cutting out 90% of Mark 16, 15 through 18. The scriptures go into the world and preach the gospel, and in my name these signs shall follow those who believe, they will cast out demons, speak in new tongues, 
they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And then add to that Matthew 10, 7 through 8 of raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, freely you have received. Now, freely give has been all reduced down to a bumper sticker called go ye. Now, this is what an unbelieving world finds so unbelievable. The world finds it unbelievable that we have a lack of confidence in what we proclaim to be the truth of the gospel. We need to take more seriously what the scriptures say, not in just the do's and the don'ts, but it's what we can do and should be doing like Jesus, a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. When we become confident in what we say we believe in and walk like the man from Galilee, we can actually expect an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit that creates in us a spiritual magnet so all mankind can see and notice the Christ in us and around us. So, stand in faith, walk in love, and launch out into the deep. Till next time.